0: subject that I want to speak about this morning is one that I've never heard it spoken of before which doesn't mean that it hasn't and that is what it means to be in Christ but prior to starting that message I think we need to be realistic in the fact of The things that we face in the world are so very real. I was talking to my daughter last night from down east. And she's noticing it there. Others are noticing it in other places. I think this is a worldwide thing that is happening right now. The enemy knows that the best way to attack us is in the mind. And this is definitely the battlefield that we're facing today. And we need to have some solutions to it. And what I would like to point you to this morning... I'm not being naive and just saying that Jesus is the answer for everything. Which of course he is. But how do we actually live this Christian life... In the day in which we find ourselves... In the day of darkness quite likely will increase. Those of us that are older have the advantage of being able to look back over many years and seeing what has transpired in the world and see where we are at the present time. In one sense, this message builds on last week's message is that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you realize that you are in Christ Jesus... Whatever the world throws at you to condemn you, to cause you anxiety, there's no need to receive it. That does not mean that we don't make mistakes, and we're criticized for things that we do, and condemned for what we do. But most of the condemnation comes from those that are against Christianity, and against the work of God that is in us. And sadly to say, Sometimes that comes from other believers, and we need to be careful, every one of us, as to how we treat each other what we say. One of the things I believe that we all face is there are certain areas in our lives where we feel a lack of security, I feel anxious because tonight we're scraping the bottom of the barrel and I'm going to try and play the piano, which is not my forte. So I lack a security. Every one of us has some lack of security in our lives. But I think if we have a look at this message today, it might give us some hope and something that we can be assured of the fact that God knows all about us and he has gone before and he has supplied us with what we need for the days in which we live. Quite often this subject comes up, especially in a Baptist church, where we say that uh, we've been baptized into Christ. So I want to go over this step by step and see if we can gain some understanding from what the scriptures say. So the question arises how do we come to be in Christ? There's many times in our own life, I think, when we there's scriptures that we don't understand, but for some reason we don't ask questions. We need to ask questions from the Word of God. If the Word of God says that we're in Christ, ask the question, then God show me, how do I get into Christ? What do I do? Is there anything I can do to make it happen? So the Holy Spirit then will direct you to the Scriptures. You may need to use your search engine and type in a word or a couple of words in Christ and go through it, And see what scripture says. And glean information from that. Too many times we don't want to do the hard work. We would just like to have somebody on Sunday give us an overview. And we can go home and that's fine. And we've forgotten it because the reason we've forgotten is we haven't done our own study. I know that from experience. We can read books. We can hear messages. And it sounds good. And we're encouraged at the time. But before you know it, if somebody asked us, What does it mean to be in Christ? We'd be all thumbs and not be able to explain what it is. But I tell you, if you do your own study on it, you will get a better understanding of what this means. So I'm just going to lay it out this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. But it is of him, that is God, that you are in Christ Jesus. This would be the verse, if anyone was to begin to try and explain to you how it is that we come in to be in Christ Jesus. But the wording is very obscure here. You wouldn't catch it probably on first reading. It is from God that you are in Christ. What happened? How did that happen? To start with, it begins with our being convicted by the Holy Spirit as an unbeliever. That we need salvation. That we need to have our sins forgiven. And what transpires at that moment when we receive Christ as Savior. We receive the abundance of everything that God has for us. Everything, but we didn't realize it. I certainly didn't, and it took many years as I began to study scripture to realize at the moment of salvation, I didn't realize that I had been redeemed. Of course, I was young at the time. I didn't realize that God was making me holy. I didn't realize that I had the Holy Spirit I didn't realize that I could go to the scriptures and I could find out things from God. There's so many things that we received at the time of salvation. Of which this is one that may be the most obscure of all of them. And that is at that moment in time, it's as if God then placed us into Christ. And there's reasons that God had for that. This is not just some philosophical proposition. This is a reality for the Christian life. And it makes a difference. So, God is the one that has placed us into Christ. And Christ became for us wisdom from God. That is revealing his plan of salvation. And righteousness making us acceptable to God. And sanctification which means making us holy and setting us apart for God, and redemption, providing our ransom for the penalty of sin. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. God has then, when he placed us into Christ, what happened was our vision and our understanding of things changed. We don't get it all at once. But the way in which we look at the world changes. In fact, I do recall, and I had forgotten all about this till just this very moment. I received Christ as my Savior at night before I went to bed. I got up in the morning. Didn't appear as if anything had happened. I didn't feel any great change. But when I went outside, all of a sudden, everything looked greener. The sky was bluer. Everything seemed clearer. This is what transpires. That was the beginning of a changed life. And then God began to gradually give me wisdom to understand what is salvation really about? All I knew was that I was a sinner and I needed to be saved. I needed to have my sins forgiven. Not realizing that there was something way beyond that. That was only opening the door to a life that God had in mind for me to enjoy, but it took time. And it takes time. So if any of you think you've arrived and you know everything, you haven't lived long enough. I haven't lived long enough. There are things that God is showing me from the scriptures that I did not know two and three years ago. And I'm wondering, how did I miss that? God, throughout your lifetime, is going to reveal things to you which requires a response on your side. If God shows you this and you believe it, what you do next is going to indicate what you really believe. Are you going to follow through with what God has shown you? So here God, at the very beginning of our Christian life, has placed us into Christ he has given us a wisdom to be able to understand the world at large, which will grow in time. And he has revealed that plan of salvation. That's the first step that we're taking. All of a sudden we realize this is what salvation is. Oh, my life can be different. I don't have to live like I did before. I don't have to go to the places I did before. I might lose some friends, so-called friends. But my life is changing. Then he's going to make me aware of the fact that he has now declared me righteous just for the fact that I believed. And God then declares that I'm righteous, not based on my righteousness, but on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that is righteous. I receive his righteousness. And God has actually placed that into me. Now I can live right. That's simply what it is. Now I can live right. Everything begins to line up. And now I understand what life is about. Because the creator and the one who created me. Has brought life into me the moment I believed. And then the big Doctrinal word of sanctification, just put it simply, as the Amplified Bible says here, he makes us holy and sets us apart for God. God then, when we first believed, he has a purpose and a plan for our life. And that plan is that we might become holy, live before God holy but set apart by him so that we can minister to those that are around us. And God has given each of us a different gift. Not everyone has a gift to be able to speak publicly. If you don't believe it, I can ask one or two of you if you would like to come up and replace this. And you're going to say, no, it's not for me. No. But what you do is equally important within the body of Christ. Don't minimize that. But he set us apart for something special. I wish I could play the piano like John. Sometimes I think, John, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and God will just give me a gift to be able to play. I wish that was the case. But he hasn't. But each of us has something. John's doing what God's given John to do. God's given you something to do. You do what God's given you to do. And then we realize as well that we have been redeemed. And the depth of our understanding and our depth of appreciation of the fact that we've been redeemed by God to be used special by God grows as we grow in our Christian life. We become more attuned to the fact that God paid a tremendous price So that we might come into fellowship with him. And because he's paid that tremendous price. He is now equipping us. To work within a body of believers. To encourage and build up one another. And that's what we need to be occupied in doing. So that there's nothing that we can boast in. It's not of ourselves. So when God placed us into Christ. We received wisdom to understand his salvation. And this wisdom, which is personified in Christ, confirms that we are now declared to be righteous, made holy, and redeemed by God. So, question has to be asked then, why did God put us into Christ? Is there some reason? There must be a tremendous importance to this, that God would actually choose to put us into Christ. There must be some reason. God is all-knowing, we're not. And he knew that we needed to be placed into Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old you has gone and the new you is come. Who we were as born of Adam and our sinful nature needs to be dealt with. And the only way that that can be dealt with is that we have to die. And God says the only way that you're going to die and experience that and he does it in picture form is he places us into Christ. So that when he was crucified, I was. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. God did that. I had no part in that. God knew what I needed. And this is... Exactly what God did, so that the old is gone and the new is come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I wish I could elaborate on that right now, but that might be a message that's coming up. There's only two more messages that I have before sin comes home. And the message that weekend that Sim comes, I'm trusting that God will allow me to speak on it. It's not because it's way off the wall or anything, but it's something that I didn't realize until 2019 when I was studying, and I thought, this cannot be real. So hopefully we'll be able to share that on that Sunday. So I won't go into this just now. But basically, everything that has happened to us is because of God so did we have any part in this process no the moment we believed and were saved God placed us into Christ in other words we were united with Christ placed into Christ I don't have my Bible here here's a book um, and I used this sort of as the last minute that came to my mind when Tatiana was baptized So if this is your Bible, and you put a piece of paper in here, that's a picture of what God has done. God then takes you and I, he puts us into Christ. So wherever that book goes, we go. Wherever Christ is, we are with him. And we're going to find out some things here that you might think is hard to believe but it's the word of God as to where we are but wherever this book goes we go with it also where we go realize that Jesus Christ goes with us that's something that I grew up with and over the years that has not been spoken of that is a challenging thing so that wherever I go in life I'm taking Jesus with me as a believer. I may make some different choices. If I begin to realize that. So we'll come back to then baptism. As an illustration. And I say it's an illustration. Because we've got to be absolutely certain. And Sim has made this very clear. But it bears repeating. The act of baptism. Baptism does not do anything to place us into Christ. That has already transpired in the life of a believer. The moment you believed, God placed you into Christ. Baptism, then, is just an illustration or a picture of that transaction. So that when you go into the water, illustrates that you have died with Christ. But we need to make that clear. Baptism is not going to confer anything on you. That's a process that has already transpired the moment you believe. So Paul writes in Romans 6, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. And this is a difficult one for us to wrap our minds around. I understand it's difficult. In one sense, it's a concept, yet on the other hand, it's a reality in the believer's life. That we were buried with Christ. That was 2,000 years ago, and we get come to salvation today. So how does this all work? It works by the fact that the moment we believe, we gain everything that Christ accomplished on Calvary in his death, burial, and resurrection. We come into the full reception and enjoyment of everything that God has accomplished for us in Christ. Why is this important? It is important, and very important, I believe, in the days in which we're living. Evil is on the increase. If we are unaware of the fact that we are secure in Christ, wherever he goes, we go, we are protected, we are cared for by Jesus Christ, then the things of the world that would upset us and causes concern and anxiety will drop away. But this is a mindset. You have to change the mind to begin to realize and believe what God says is true. You died with Christ. Don't worry about what man can do to the body. Be concerned with God who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. That's the reality. So, moving forward, don't be concerned of what man might try to do. You've already died with Christ you're in him, he's taking care of you. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. When Christ was raised is the point at which in our Christian experience is that the life of Christ comes to live within us. Paul makes a reference in, uh, I think, the last chapter of Ephesians, and he speaks of it that as those that had Um, been alienated from the life of God. Man in sin has been alienated from the life of God. There's basically two Greek words. There's three or four, but we'll look at two of them that refer to life. One is bios. And most of you, if you think about it, you can see what word that we use today that this is derived from. Biology. Biology. The bios life that we have is the life that God gave us when we were born into Adam's race. We have life. So it's our biography. It's what we do in the morning. We get up when we do this and we go to work and we come home and we go to bed. This is a biography of life. We all have that kind of life. But when we came to Christ Jesus and found him as Savior, he gave us a new life which is the Zoe life. It's the very life of God that's come to live within us. Should that not make a difference to how we live and how we face the world? Absolutely. The very life of God is living within the believer. He's not out there someplace. We can pray as if God's away off in a distance. No. God has come to reside inside the believer. Why? Because he knows we're living in a fallen sinful world. And if we get a hold of the fact. That we are in Christ. Then we have a security. That we cannot have any other way. So we've been raised to a a new life. The difference between being in Adam and in Christ. I was thinking of printing out a few copies. A number of years ago I put together a A book and I started to list um, just some of the things I wasn't going to do this but let me just have a look at this so if you're in Adam you're under law if you're in Christ you're under grace if you're in Adam you're in the flesh in Christ you're in the spirit in Adam you're going away as sheep but now you've returned to the overseer of your soul There's a contrast definitely between who we were in Adam and who we are in Christ. And we need to come to define that in our lives and realize how we respond to what happens around us in the world as to whether we're responding as to who we are in Adam or who we are in Christ. If you're upset, if someone has said something to you that upsets you and you get your back up, let me ask you this question. If you get your back up and, you're, and you get angry about it, are you living in the flesh, in Adam, or in the spirit? The answer is very simple. And we react so many times in the flesh, in Adam. That's not to be the case for the believer, but it's a process. 1 Corinthians 15, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, Jesus Christ. You don't want to be an Adam, because in Adam all die. And it still holds true today. Physically, we will all die because we were born in Adam. But if we're born of the Spirit, we have something beyond the grave... That we can look forward to. And the reason is because we're in Christ. For as in Adam all die. So in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn. Christ the first fruits. Then when he comes. Those who belong to him. Just wondering if I included. I have later on. So I'll cover that later. God did what we could not do. Ephesians tells us that God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. And this is what I was saying. This doesn't seem to be real. If God has raised us up with Christ and Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, he says, you are in Christ. You are with him in heavenly places. Our problem is we begin to look horizontally and we look to ourselves and we see this doesn't seem to line up. There's something far wrong. We must first of all realize that we as being in christ are with him in the heavenlies seated at the father's right hand what difference does that make you say the difference is if you really realize let's just try and visualize the fact that we are now seated in heaven in christ at the father's right hand where are our problems Where's our anxiety? It's down here. So now we can look down on our problems and all the things that we're having to face in life from a different vantage point. If you realize that you're seated in the heavenlies in Christ and everything is under his feet, not everything yet, but it will be, your enemies, under your feet. It makes a difference. We need to begin by realizing that we are seated in the heavenlies in Christ because God placed us into Christ so that we can be in heaven with him and look down on our problems. It makes a difference as to how you now face life. For one, you have a perfect security being in Christ. Nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch any of us because we have been placed into Christ. And Christ is in God. So if he's in God and we're in Christ, we're in God. We are secure from everything that's happening in the world. We are affected by the things that are happening in the world. But now we're able to look at them Differently, because we know where we are in Christ. And Paul is writing here in Ephesians, and what he does in most of his epistles, he lays out and gives us where we are, if you, will, if you wanted to say our position is in Christ, in the heavenly places in Ephesians. Once you realize that you are with Christ and in Christ, then he goes on in Ephesians and he says, now that you know that, Here's how you need to walk in the world. And he does that in most of his epistles. He begins with what we are, what God says that we are. Then he says, now this is how you work it out in your life. You need to walk according to what you understand and believe to be true. And then at the end of Ephesians, he says, okay, now that you have walking in that, and you're realizing that you're in the midst of evil, And there's principalities and authorities that are lined up against you. He says, put on the armor of God, stand in the day of evil. You cannot stand in the day of evil like we're going to be looking at if you don't realize that you're in Christ. You are completely secure in Christ, therefore you're able to withstand the evil one in the day of evil. That's the reason that God has done it. So that we might experience the fact that we are no longer in charge. According to Adam, that's dead. We're not in charge. Christ is in charge, and our life is in him. How much more secure could you be? So we've been seated together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, which is future, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. Toward us in Christ Jesus. There is an age to come. If we didn't have hope. Of a different time. We'd be in despair. But we have hope. Of eternal life. That is eternal. And we will spend it forever. In the presence of God. And nothing and no one can take that away from us. God has given us eternal life. We already possess it as believers. And this life is in his son, resulting in our spiritual completeness and eternal companionship with him. He who has the son, by accepting him as Lord and Savior, has life. You have this new Zoe life of God, which he is using that to equip you to face the life here. He who does not have the Son of God by personal faith does not have the life. Knowing by experience that we are in Christ will change our lives. And it does. However, here's the caveat. We have a responsibility in this process. God has done it. and God has said that we are in Christ. It's up to us now to believe it. And if we believe it, to act upon it. Colossians 3 says, Because you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above. There's a command. Keep seeking the things that are above. How do I do that? I do that by being in constant communication with God. And he uses the scriptures The Holy Spirit wrote those, was behind the writing of those, so that we would have direction in life. But if I don't, if I'm not in the word, I digress. I have always a tendency to go back to who I was in Adam. Constantly. That's a fight that we're facing every day. Keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind And keep focusing habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. Set your mind. Not if you want to or you don't want to. This is an imperative. Paul writes, Set it. And he says again, Set it. Set your mind. Our minds tend to wander. Mine's no different than anybody else's. And I can get off track when I begin to look horizontally in what's happening in the world. And maybe in the lives of other believers. And I get off track. Set your mind and keep focused on the things above. That is a determined effort. Especially when we're faced with having to go to work in the morning. And things in that whole area of our lives is becoming more difficult all the time. And I've heard it from many of you. And many are hanging on by their fingernails in their jobs. I went through that too. I was at my wits end wondering how much longer I could hang on. But then God says, wait. Ah, but I can't wait. I need a change now. It's got to happen now. I can't wait. I had to wait. I had no option but wait. But if our minds are set on things above and not on the things of the earth, our perspective changes. We are so earthbound. You've heard the expression about some Christians, you know, they're so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. Well, let's flip it. Maybe there's some people that are so earthly minded that they're of no heavenly use. We can all fall into that category. God wants to use us. He's placed us into a body. But as long as our minds are in the things of the earth, we become useless in the things of God. Set your mind on the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So he says, for you died to this world, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. How much more secure could you be? Your life is hidden. Hidden from who? Hidden from the evil forces that would be against you. They cannot reach that life that you have as a believer because it's hidden in Christ, in God. And when you realize that that's where your life is, that changes the way in which you live life it's hidden with Christ in God so when Christ who is our life appears then you will also appear with him in glory so the next admonition is so this being the case put to death and deprive of power the evil longings in your earthly body this is a determined purpose it's not Something that I can decide not to, I can decide not to, but it's not advisable. He says, put to death those things that are going to prevent you from enjoying your place in Christ in heavenly places. Put it to death, things in your earthly body, with its sensual, self-centered instincts, immorality, impurity, sinful passions, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Why is it important then to be in Christ? So that we can be set free from these passions that we have in the flesh. But the choice is ours. We have a part to play in it. We have to say no to sin. There's no easy way around it. You can't come to church on a Sunday morning and expect that this is going to all of a sudden happen by osmosis in your life. This is a lifestyle of going to God, learning from God, Obeying his word, as you apply it to your life, you get victory over the things that are bothering you presently in the world. So being in Christ also determines our future. I wonder if anybody's got a verse that comes to mind? Come on, (laughs) Sadie. No. This is one of these things we're looking forward to. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. God put us into Christ so that in a day to come, those who are in Christ will be raised and ascend to meet the Lord in the air. If you're not in Christ that event will not be enjoyed by you. Simple as that. God placed us into Christ so that we could realize that we're in the heavenlies in Christ. We can look at the world differently. We can now translate that into where we are living and walking in this world. And the decisions we make are based on our place in Christ. And one day... The dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive. And Paul doesn't add it. But it's implied. Who are in Christ. will meet them together. And meet the Lord in the air. And we will be forever with the Lord. That's the implication of what it is to be in Christ. God was looking forward. Not only for our lifetime here. But he was looking forward to that day to come. Because wherever Christ is. We are. Our loved ones have gone to be with Christ. Wherever he is, they are. It was three years ago yesterday that my wife went to be with the Lord. Can't believe it's three years already. But she is with Christ. So think of this. The Lord says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them if we gather together like this and we're conscious of the Lord's presence our loved ones can't be too far away let me read to you something in closing I think that's the last slide I wrote this is going back probably 11-12 years ago Um, this kind of puts it short and simple as far as I can determine The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says the spiritual did not come first but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. God meets you first as in Adam. Then he introduces you to who you are in Christ. As an example, when Jesus was here, he performed physical miracles, but they were of immense spiritual importance. Through them, he was teaching what the new life would be like. The blind man, as an example in John 9, says, Once I was blind, but now I see. Whatever your need is, you should be able to say, I once was, but now I am. And that's when you realize that what you were in Adam now has changed, and you are something different. And that comes about also by communicating with the Lord. When we fail and we go to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I failed again. He gives us the strength and the power to overcome our weaknesses. And the spirit prays with things that can't be uttered on our behalf. We don't know what to pray for sometimes as is fitting, but he intercedes for us. So he's going to give us everything that we need. I once was blind, but now I see. You have come from spiritual blindness to being able to have spiritual discernment because the Holy Spirit is living in you, enabling you to understand spiritual things. When you choose to worry, get upset with circumstances, revert to making your own decisions without acknowledging God in all your ways, you have just reverted to living in Adam. This results in living a defeated life. Every time this happens, you've lost your focus on God, which is your vertical vision, and have allowed yourself to look at your circumstances and your horizontal vision. Once you refocus, as Paul says, set your mind on things above, when you do that, all is well. When you go to God during your trials, failures, and temptations, he will remind you of his great love for you. He will bring a clarity to the situation that you never have considered on your own. Two people can go through similar circumstances. One gains a fresh appreciation of God and the other only hardens his heart. The one who gains through trial is the one who recognizes his need to have God change him. Don't resist God's discipline. He only wants to bless you through the trial. This is a lifelong process so don't think you have arrived or find fault with someone you think doesn't measure up to your expectations. All of this is possible because we are in Christ. While this may be difficult to understand, and you might think it's some philosophical type of presentation of what transpires in the life of a believer, it isn't. It's something that we have to put into practice. And the more that we do, the more victory that we're going to have. In the days ahead, when times are difficult, we need to go back to these basic truths of Christianity. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We may come under extreme condemnation and opposition and also remember then that our life is hidden with Christ in God. Nothing can change that. We can march forward in total dependence on God, knowing that the battle has been won. And we need to win that battle in our lives, our own personal lives, first. I hope that's an encouragement to you. It is to me, because I have to be reminded of it all the time. We never arrive. We're still working at it.